Welcome to Seize the GM. I'm your host, Zended. I am your co-host, Jules. And I'm Garda Moje. Have you ever had a great idea for a campaign? Do you have a group of friends who want to play an RPG, but you have no one to run it? Do you want to see what the world is like behind the GM screen instead of in front of it? Well, we're here to help you do just that. Each week, the three of us will be discussing various GMing topics, terminology, maps, atmosphere, world building, you name it. So sit back and relax. Let us help you. Improve your art of GMing. One show at a time. Banter, banter, banter. And we are entering the banter segment. So how did you guys deal with the holidays? You don't have any trichinosis, do you? Oh, goodness. Well, all right. I got the itis and I got the, and I got the odge, but mostly I got the itis (laughs) and then it became a plague carrier. And I don't know which one of my family members infected me. No, actually, I am surprised. I have not been sick. I have not been uh, overdone. I, I, I'm knocking on my skull because it's wood. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I actually missed everything. I was super glad. And I got um, a new toy for me and my uh, wife. Tell, tell, tell. Well, okay, so basically we've been we, we, we've been playing uh, Elder Scrolls online lately. Oh yeah, yeah. And she was like, oh, there's this cool event. I want to do it with you, but we only have one PlayStation, so we can't. You and didn't. I oh I did. <laughs> I did. I found a a Thanksgiving day PlayStation 4 Spider-Man edition at GameStop for half price. Excellent. Like I got well actually what I got was I got the PlayStation the Spider-Man game that went with it and then I also bought two more controllers. Oh yeah, smart. And that was less than what we had planned on paying for just the PlayStation. Awesome. So I kind of came out ahead for a change on that. So it was like, it was too good of a deal to pass up. And I said, okay, here's the deal though. This is our Christmas present to each other. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we can get a few other little things, but this is the big one. Because we had to buy like a little TV for our room to put it on. And so there's one, there's one in the back room where my daughter and we've, we've played with it a few times. My daughter and I play Minecraft online. <laughs> She's in the front room. I'm in the back and we were just sitting there playing. We play, probably played for two hours yesterday. So it nice. was, it was fun. I, I feel bad. I missed out on like the, the black Friday deals where I stay home. I wear all black um, <laughs> with my Deadpool shirt and I order movies because I'll, they actually fall for deals, but I was so freaking sick. I was, I was, 
you know, even on Cyber Monday, the only thing I got, um, I got myself a little 24 inch television for the bedroom. Um, and it's going to be nice since we can put it because of how the room is set up. There's only like one blank wall and that's where the bed is because it's a freaking waterbed. Ah. So yeah, it's the only place we could kind of like put where the bed is. Um, so, but you know, a little, a little 24 inch television, like right between the two closets, there's gotta be a stud in there. So I'm going to be probably hanging that over the weekend. Nice. That's going to be fun. I got to find, I got to make sure the batteries are charged. I got to find my drill, my stud finder. (laughs) Um, oh, and I, but the other thing I did buy on cyber Monday off of Amazon and you can laugh at me are the little step stools. To get in and out of bed? No, to reach the cabinets. <laughs> I, I have them in the kitchen because I to put stuff away. Yeah. They, they, it, oh. I have a rolling library step stool in my kitchen. You know, the ones that you can kick around and roll, and when you step on it, goes down. It and goes won't down. Go yeah. Yes. I've got I've got that I've been in using, my kitchen. I've, I've been using chairs. Yeah, yeah, no, you need step stool. Preferably, like I said, one of the library ones that you can kick around. Yeah. I know, I know, but it, it well, I didn't have any, so I bought some, so yay on that one. But uh no, the TV actually came in today. It was supposed to arrive tomorrow, so I'm like, "Oh, nice. Day early. Yay." That is so, good. Yeah, so and and here's it it's a smart TV, it has voice command, so of course I'm going to be setting it locking it to my voice only, so <laughs> You know, I don't care if Zippy steals the remote. It's like, okay, television, do what I tell you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, no, screw it. We're watching Catalia because, damn it, that's funny. <laughs> By the way, I recommend it, if especially if you've got a, a love of history because it's pr- – you get the jokes if you get the historical context, but if you don't get it, I actually went and I learned a whole bunch of cool stuff, and I'm like, oh, and then you watch it, and the joke's even funnier. Yeah. You know, and it's it's like, why does Prussia have a duck on his head? And there's actual <laughs> reasons behind it. <laughs> and I think Gardemanger gets the joke, doesn't he? <laughs> Maybe. I didn't do much shopping. I, I'm one of the people who doesn't like to do the shopping, especially on Black Friday or that weekend. It's just a moral mo- component well, for me. Well, no, I'll buy movies from home, you know, rent them on Netflix or something. Uh, <laughs> Among the very few things that were picked up after food was cooked and turkeys were spatchcocked and all of that goodness, uh, I did begin to collect the Game of Thrones scotches. I've got the White Walker, and now I'm hunting down the individual house scotches uh, to get those before the final TV show season comes out. I'm going to have to get you the Game of Thrones shot glasses then, aren't I? Have to? Yes, because the holidays are coming up, and I like to get my friends stuff that I know that they'll use. I got you the chemistry cocktail set last year. This is true, and and I need to find something good and snazzy for you this year. I've just been – I think we've all been adulting very hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the thing is – oh, by the way, for those that don't know, spatchcock is a much cooler term for butterflying a turkey – you know, but say spashcock, you sound like more badass. I learned that from Alton Brown, and I'll be honest, Alton Brown teaches me with science, and that's how I'm able to learn cooking. If you get the chance, see his live show. Oh, yeah. 
That, that that's on my bucket list. I I've already done one with Neil deGrasse Tyson, but you know uh, that's one thing off my bucket list. But there's a couple other things I want to see. Elton Brown is one of them. Yeah, worth it. Really? You've seen it? Yes. Ah, oh, come I'm on. Jelly. Seriously, you didn't think he would have seen it? Well, the, the considering how busy life gets and everything else and I, I i missed one time when he was within a three-hour radius i did not miss the second okay time. <laughs> okay you actually have a three-hour rate i can't sit in a car that long unless i'm drugged or i'm driving and uh usually his shows are in the evening yeah uh, i wish it's like but yeah i worry i get too sleepy to get home but oh my god the one thing though that was really cool is they did a a oh what was it um there there was one where it was like with the nitrogen with liquid nitrogen cooking doing freezy desserts with liquid nitrogen i'm like that's the coolest thing ever and it's so granted i can't do but any of that see, the thing is is like cooking like that is so science fiction though to me i know <laughs> It's the thing is like when you do anything that it's like you do, it's like a chemical reaction. You actually get to watch it bubble up, fizz, change colors, explode. Um, hell is even like popping popcorn when he explains it. And it's just like, yes, it explodes. It, it heats everything inside. And then he goes into the science of why you want to do this versus that. It's just like, and you're like, this is like, you know, this is like Star Trek. <laughs> No, actually, it's more Babylon 5, if I if I recall correctly. It feels more Babylon 5, but, you know, because there's always a story behind it. I was like, oh, my God. Well, see, and that is the perfect segue into talking about science fiction role-playing games and how <laughs> Wait, you want to think topic? about that. Oops. I prepared the wrong stuff. Uh, okay. Grognak the Barbarian, back in your work. <laughs> back. Back. <laughs> I'll bring you out next week. Into the hills. <laughs> But yeah, no, tonight we're going to take a look at how to choose a, a sci-fi system. We've talked about how to do the fantasy system, and there's a similar rubric here, but it's always good to kind of hash it out and, and go through some of the specific ones we're talking about and kind of see what's on everybody's mind, especially all you listeners out there. Who should rate and review us on all of your social media of choice to give us higher visibility like us come talk with us in our wonderful facebook group and find us on the instagram yes. and the twitters and the facey books yeah I, I promise i won't let zended eat you until well, at least after I two hours of chatting well. I promise. Okay, yes i might yeah yeah okay <laughs> yeah yeah and, and yeah well and, <laughs> this goes into the first Thing we want to talk about when we talk about choosing a system and really for sci-fi the setting is a huge huge deal because in my opinion there's even bigger variety in kind oh, of the, the umbrella of science fiction yeah playing well, than the umbrella of fantasy gaming heck yeah because you get well science fiction it's near future cyberpunk cyber fantasy space it's 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 Star Trek, it's Doctor Who, it's Cyberpunk 2020, but it's also uh, like Black Mirror. Uh, I, I, I yeah. I'm pulling that one out of yeah. The the thing is, is like science fiction really does cover that that gamut of everything from like you're saying from like cyberpunk dystopias all the way to like hard science. To those weird, like crazy, like science fantasy, 
pulpy sort of things. And mm-hmm. it's Flash Gordon all the yeah. way to the expanse with aliases and, I mean, in between. You made me remember Flash Gordon. Such, curse you, curse you so much. He will. He'll save every one of us. No, it's that. It's That's a song's gonna be in my head forever. It's awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. No, remember all the musical training I, I have. It stays in my head for months. I still haven't been able to get Spanish flea out fault. of my head, and it's been. <laughs> But when we're talking about you know that setting and what we really want to look at for the game, you know we're starting to touch on the absolute breadth that is there. And do you want to go with a you know near future cyberpunk dystopia? Do you do want, you want to, to do Star Wars? Do Do you want to do rebels and Jedi's? You know, flying around at light speed. Well, and. It goes into one of those other questions about licensed properties. There um, are more licensed sci-fi properties yeah. than fantasy properties for, with games out there. there. There just are. And so... I never thought about that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I've got some, but here's here's some kind of funny thing that I've noticed is a lot. So even some of the, I would say, modern fantasy stuff has a, even, even there kind of also feels more sci-fi-ish. Even with it's weird, it is some. It's 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 odd. I don't know why that is. It's mm. eh. sometimes when you start commodifying magic, you create an almost scientific feel. And when you try to create an overly ordered world and backstory, you can sometimes make it feel more like an odd reflection of the present yeah. than a fantastical setting. Yeah. Uh, that's probably why. Yeah. But that, you know, that's part of this questions with the campaign flavor. So when we talk about space fantasy, which is different than space opera, which is different than hard sci-fi, what are we talking about in making well, that choice? Really? It partly does tie back into that setting because while they all each of these styles kind of bakes into its setting and everything kind of the parts of it that make it shine for science fiction mm-hmm. because like mm-hmm. in like mm-hmm. shadow run mm-hmm. hard baked into the rules are that weird science and technology with magic. And that's hard coded right into the system. Mm-hmm. And, 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 actually into the mechanics of it a little bit too is that they the 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 edge using edge which is a game mechanic which kind of it's like you know like the corporation have all these power this shouldn't work why does yeah. that work how can they be that but then lucky? you you know it, it, it's still it's still yeah risky, but then you but also like, have other luck. games where pieces of that kind of setting and flavor are baked in more like Star Wars, where like the light side and dark side with the Jedi stuff, like it's built mm-hmm. into the system and it adds flavor yep. for that campaign feel to make it much closer to the way the movies feel. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about cards, 
sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about hard sci-fi, we're talking about you know science fiction that hews much closer to the right. laws of physics as we know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, current, let's say, current uh, settings that kind of exemplify that. Uh, the Expanse started off very much hard sci-fi. Class- yes. Classically, yeah. Traveler is the role-playing game that is kind of used as the iconic hard science fiction game, aside from the fact that the mini-game called yeah. Character Creation could kill your character. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Actually, I-, I lost four characters before I got to play a character. This is this is Traveler, which is one of the things that you know then is reacted to in the environment, and you get other games that go a different direction, yeah. like Star Frontiers. Which you should be reading along right now you. in our card catalog. Insert plug here. Oh, this God, is what I'm you really should references. This is so good. Are you promoting yourself again? Just a little bit. And Star Frontiers, yeah, Star Frontiers took a much more space opera tone to it. While it had similar thematic concepts as Traveler with mega corporations and exploration, what it did was enable a more swashbuckling style yep. with its more freeform rules. I've, I've got a few thousand words on this. We can go, 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 go read, go to the link and read, go to the doodly do. No, but here's, no, I did read it, but here's the thing that I kind of felt it's the, cause I have tried and I hate, and I, I really hate the, uh, Serenity, uh, Firefly, uh, mechanics RPG, but I love the world. And I'm like, Star Frontiers would have fit so much better. Uh, part of the problem is, the cortex system itself. I have never been a big fan of it. And I understand stand your pain mm-hmm. with it. It, I, I know people that love it and think it's great. And I cannot get behind it. I just found that the way that it works. It I just found that the way that it works, it impedes, it impedes the flow of the game. Like- for mechanics, it feels for, for actual dicey dice and and moving. <laughs> yes, and when you're and the thing is like if when you're when you're Firefly Serenity, you know, like you're 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 smuggling and hiding and running and stuff like that. It, it felt like uh, it, it's like if you took like a walker and you're moving a little bit, and then all of a sudden you put boosters on it and then walk it, and the boosters go out. You're like, okay, walk. walk. So it puts. Yeah. That's kind of how it feels. But we'll dive into the Cortex system at a later date. It's one of the other systems out there, things like Savage Worlds, which is used as a very agnostic system for different settings. But that campaign flavor, do you go Mm -hmm. space opera and feel epic? Do you want that Star Wars kind of grandiose pulp feeling? Do you want something maybe a little more constrained like Star Trek, which, while still out there, yeah, uh, and it's, it's not. Yeah, it's expo- Is here it is. Star Trek exploring new life, new civilizations. You have Babylon Five, which is exploring the social and uh, backstabbing machin- machinations of new worlds, new civilizations that you discover. Babylon Five is you know one of my personal favorites, and I think one of the best five seasons of TV crammed into four seasons. The fifth season being a nice half season add on. Uh, Michael Garibaldi is my spirit animal. Damn it. Garibaldi is one of the best characters that graced 90s television. No kidding. (laughs) But you've got a range where we talked about it in the fantasy episode where do you want to deal with politics? Certain games Mm -hmm. are better for that in setting. 
Yep. And certain licensed properties are better than that. Now, if you want to focus on high action and adventure, there's another interesting set of questions that comes up. Do you give your players a starship? It depends on the type of, of science fiction that you're playing. Because don't forget, part of this True, that's not included, also- we haven't even touched on, is the post-apocalyptic. Which is very science fiction. Hits oh, yeah. all of those key points. Well, I put that more in. See, and I stick that more in. But horror. it doesn't I stick have that to more be in a different kind of concept. It, it is like all of these. It can have those horror elements. But then you. But you could also kind yes. of have the world. Well, of that's fallout, still pretty horrific. You know? But where um, there's not there's exactly. quite a few. Actually, there's a really cool one that is. Uh, I want to say it's no. You're not talking about hole, are you? <laughs> yes, I stole no, my copy that is of a Human Optimized Landfill. It should be played at some point as maybe a Patreon exclusive. Heck yeah! Those of you who don't know, Hole was a game that was made as a satire of other games that was extremely graphic and rather well-received by people in their teens and early 20s in the 90s and not (laughs) well-received by establishmentarians. Yeah. Um, It is... Look, it's... It's death holding out a tree of cookies. Yeah. Like, do you want a cookie? I baked them myself. It's very much a satire of existing tropes and existing types yeah, of players really and games in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Especially kind of with the – that's when Vampire was really big, you know? Amusingly enough, purchased and published by White Wolf. I think that was the best. Wasn't that was it done by imprint. Black Dog Games Offer? That was their imprint. Yeah, that was yeah. – that was White Wolf's imprint for adult labeled yeah. adult featured games. But No, the 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 science fiction one that I was thinking of, I think it's called Mutant Year Zero. And it's a exploration type of game after a uh, after a nuclear holocaust. There's also another one which is uh Einhell, which is takes place after something happens on Earth and this very small group of people have been engineered to be angels. But they're treated like divinity. And you play them. And it's a... I want to say it was done by... White Wolf, but for like D20, like it's a really weird combination of features, but it was a D20 uh, spinoff from the, the, the D20 glut days. And the setting is amazing. Really? Yeah. Really? Sounds kind of cool. Yeah. Well, Jules, what's your favorite post-apocalyptic setting since we've kind of wandered into the, the dank after the fall of man area? Mm. Oh, God. <laughs> the thing is, like, I don't... 
<clears throat> I don't really have like uh of uh I really don't have a favorite on post. I mean, I like I like. I'll be honest. Like with video games, I like the Fallout universe. I really do because it has kind of like a retro feel, but it's still post-apocalypse and it's way far in the future. And it's, it's, it's probably one of the weirdest hybrids I've ever experienced. And, um, I have actually played a fate RPG based RP, uh, fate RPG game of fallout. And it was a lot of fun. That would work really well. And yeah, it would, it did. And, uh, Oh God, dog meat still existed. And you can't kill him. It was awesome. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, God, I, I know I've played them, but I don't know. I mean, see, post-apocalyptic. The problem is usually a lot of my post, post-apocalyptics that I usually like are horror-based. Yeah. And they're you not, know, like, they, they don't have hell to on be, earth. but there's a lot, because <laughs> the, the end of the world is a horrific thing. And I get that. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that, but like for me though, it's a horror game, but still it, it's hell on earth. It's the one I like. Yeah. So, you know, this is after Deadlands. This is the, you know, the Reckoners one. Mm-hmm. So what about you, Gardemange? What, what is your favorite post-apocalyptic? Oh, after the bomb. TMNT. What's that? I don't know the one. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> after I, I know the bomb. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but no. Yeah. What's, uh... It is a post-apocalyptic setting in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and other strangeness line of games from Palladium. It is set where the Empire of Humanity on the East Coast is trying to protect itself against the various other uh, animal-based nation-states that have grown up and thrown up around it, not counting mm-hmm. the road hogs, literally, that are going up and down the California coast, the giant snails that are being ridden in England, or the mutant snakes in the Yucatan, which are preventing them from getting further inland. It is a wonderful way of taking the comic book TMNT and filtering it through a science fiction lens, and I enjoyed it a great deal. And it has one of the few books that was co-produced for rifts it has a book that is both a rifts nice. and after the bomb supplement yeah uh, i do remember that one i have all of the see i have all I, of the i honestly thought you were gonna go with rifts. yeah rifts i didn't I, I the thing is because i know i know <laughs> you have a very soft spot for rifts i i like Oh, I, like I love it too, but, but it's I, I so... guess I, I, yeah, it is post-apocalypse, but I always saw it as a horror game. For me, it was so big and so expansive. I feel like the creativity that went into After the Bomb was actually better in a lot of ways. Uh, riffs, because you literally had everything in the kitchen sink. From the magic to the tech to everything, from the horror to the sci-fi to the fantasy. And after the bomb, it had a more limited palette. And so the creativity, I think, shone through a little bit more, See, especially in the limited number of books. that is one of the things. I, I, I preach this in, in running in, in my games, 
is if I'm constricting the number of books you're using, it's because I want it to foster creativity. Mm. Not because I need you to, to figure out the best way to make a character. Yeah. <laughs> and that is, that is one of the things. So no, I get that. But now, even though we've talked about all of this, there is still, there's still two more considerations that we have to take into, into account when, when picking out what science fiction setting works best for you. Well, and the first one is really player familiarity. And we talked about it last time when we talked about the fantasy games, but both the setting and the system – how familiar are your players so instance, with if the they don't know If you're playing a reboot RPG game. and they don't know the story of reboot and have never watched the 90s cartoon, you don't know if they're going to like it that much. Right. You know, there's nothing wrong with giving them a little taste but, and trying it out, but if it's not them, after they try to like, you know, no one's having a good time. But see, if they come to you and they're like, okay, we just watched The 100 and we want to play that game. That's awesome. That's great. Then you've got well, see, and that goes into one of the great things about the rebirth of geek culture is that it's pushed into yes. public acknowledgement yeah. a lot more science fiction lately. And Black Mirror, Doctor Who, The One Hundred, even some of the superhero shows, The Expanse, all of these hitting a wider audience through television have created a familiarity with certain science fiction concepts and tropes mm. that make it easier to get people to play yeah. sci-fi games. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now if they would only do a really good cyberpunk, give it, give it some time. Get, look, <laughs> we, uh, we got like the first like comic book movie, you know, like the, the one that actually kind of really kicked it big, like that, the first like Batman movie. And then we ended up getting like the shadow, oh, no. the phantom Dick Tracy kind of like, what the hell? And it took like another cycle, a renaissance. So we had for Cyberpunk, we had Johnny Mnemonic and the Matrix, and you just, it got a little better. And then we're gonna have to, you know, people that kind of grew up like liking that, they're gonna make their own movies. And I think that's when we're gonna see. Uh, I wouldn't I be hope surprised so. because that's mm -hmm. what needs to happen. Well, and we can have a later discussion about cyberpunk versus transhumanism exactly. because we've seen some really interesting oh, transhumanism yeah. television shows coming out and adaptations. And that's a debate you've heard us have and you've heard uh, myself and Noel especially yeah. have on this regard. So that also mm -hmm. leads to the question of how familiar yeah. are you, the GM? We've talked about how these different settings and different systems will actually enable certain types of stories and certain types of games. Mm -hmm. Are those the ones you want to play or run? Mm -hmm. I, I love starfighter combat and, oh, and get annoyed we don't have awesome. enough dogfights in movies and TV shows. Is Exactly. So is this the kind of a game that encourages that, that has a good and fluid starfighter role where I can get jazzed about setting up starfighter combats and feeling like I'm yeah, playing the, the thing is like a lot of us also do have that kind 90s. of nostalgia and we do have to, to realize also that when we, it's like, we might love it like so, so much, but then we're like, nothing might perfectly scratch that itch. 
so if it's you know because if you do love the dog fighting you know like the the whole you know maneuvers and and shooty crazy aerial combat you know you do have to realize that well, let's just put it this way. Not everyone can aff- afford 3D space minis and all that other kind of stuff. So visually. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Guys, while we're talking about all of this, I just remembered one that we didn't even touch on in any of this. Mech. Battletech, you mean? Mechs in general. Robotech. The entire genre, the entire genre of you know, mech, yeah, all of that, like that's an entire genre that just giant robots. It's a, it is its own setting. That's true because I, I always saw mech as a, as its own unique, and uh, even though it is under the sci-fi genre, but I always saw it as something very, very different. You know, but uh, yeah, you know what? We're gonna yeah, we're gonna come back and talk about this more. Because I think that the filter of mech can yeah, be do. used in so many ways oh, that we, we do, have to take a look I at. Because I actually, there's, there's an awesome horror uh, book that I want to talk about that involves mechs. Nope. Diver? It's even better. <laughs> we'll talk about that yeah. one later. Oh. <laughs> I'm not even going to drop a hint about that one. Well, on that note, we've talked a lot about sci-fi games so far and some of our favorites and some of the things we look at and think about when we're trying to choose what kind of a game to run. From the setting to the campaign flavor to your player and GM familiarity. Yeah. Oh, so if oh you're my, listening I along at home, I forgot my favorite sci-fi. I hate drop us a line. Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> Cowboy it, it's because it's it's noir. It's detective. It has a strong musical was, base to it, which would be very difficult to kind of bring up. But using it uh, kind of like the old kind of like backroom jazz is the music. But it was, you know, bounty hunter dogfight. But in a way, it's also post-apocalyptic because, well, we blew up the moon and Earth is uninhabitable. Mostly. Uh, I forgot about that. We'll save that discussion in the discussion of the impending live-action TV show yes. for Gal- uh, Cowboy Bebop that was just yeah. announced it's, for later. Unless they get Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> for now. as Spike Spiegel, it's going to suck. No, it won't. As I, we'll figure out who all of our favorite characters in Cowboy Bebop are, which most of you can probably guess at home right now who each of us thinks. <laughs> maybe the on best Patreon we'll have an whole battle. And we'll discuss it at a later episode. Monster but for now, Concert Battle Royale. <laughs> maybe. There's, only one, there's only one answer. You're all wrong. But drop us a line on the Facebook group, on Twitter, on Instagram. Let us know your favorite sci-fi setting. Let us know your favorite sci-fi system and why we should choose it. Or better yet, why I should there take it that. up for an upcoming Also, cartel. I would like to uh, call out uh, Carlton because he actually had a great thing that we he, he, he asked us on the website about a flowchart for all of this and how we – if we could come up with something for that. And I don't know if we can, but it's, it's an it's interesting actually doable that propose. It's actually doable. I think, <laughs> I don't know if I, 
No, but we'll I, I think it'd be something it. we could actually talk but about. But it's a project. Figure out also, you know, maybe come up with a skeleton for it, figure out how to, you know, isn't that the other, it'll be fun. And it's something actually fun for other people to think about, to figure out for your own game. Yeah. So, well, we're going to go ahead and close this out. Cause like we always say we have way more. Uh, than so we can talk about we'll put a pin in it and we'll hit it up so. in some other future episodes. So if you want to hear us talk more about it, keep listening. And now yes. we're going into the next section and. And now we enter stat blocks. This is a segment where you can use something that we've created in your game tonight. All right, Gautamanger, you pick who goes first. I think that I'm going to have Sam <sighs> go first. Okay. This is not science fiction, just for the record. <laughs> But I had an idea, and I wanted to get it out there. Blade of Khaled of the Dark Moon. All great stories start with a great hero. The one that will save the masses from the coming darkness. This story is not about the light, but about the dark. And the man that is bent to bring it to the world. His name's Khaled. And he's willing to do whatever it, to make, whatever it takes to make that happen. He started his journey with wanting to make the world a better place. He began with the sword of his ancestors, a weapon of war and death. He figured if he brought the evils of the world with it, then he, he could become this shining beacon against that darkness. The blood he spilled was evil, but a bit steep. But a bit seeped in, and Khaled found himself doing small things at first that were not so bright. As more time passed and he was in charge of the large army of a king, something changed in Khaled, and he and the troops marched on the home of the king. The king died at his hands because he kept sending young men to die in the decades-long war. It was for them. He had to do this to save them, these troops. The king's archmage saw something in Cal that he could use since he wanted to rule this small but ever-expanding empire. His designs were massive and called for help to make it all work. A few more years passed with the help of the mage. Caled was turning a large kingdom as he saw it into a full-blown empire. The sword he still wore to his side had killed more beings than almost any other in the world. Beings of dark called to the man that held this weapon, making promises to him. Make him stronger, young again. Anything to get him to agree to help them. And all it needed was just a small thing, really. Just his mark on this page, so it was all official. But that, after that, pieces of Khaled were gone. Pieces of his soul and his darkest memories. He didn't ask where they went. 
till one day a sword opened a dialogue with him, explaining that his friend the Archmage was planning on ending his life this very evening. Well, Callum couldn't allow that to happen, so he tested the mage, who surprisingly failed this test, and found his power was no match for the newly awakened Dark Moon, as he would be known from this day forward. Dark Moon started helping Khaled to make worse choices, and eventually got Khaled to give himself to the devils of hell, leaving the Dark Moon here in this plane to wreak havoc from that time forward to now. Oh, the sword you hold in your hand cackles as it helps you make the next choice. The only one, really, to end this screaming child's life. And, well, it makes the most sense, really. Ooh. Oh, gosh. And you're talking to it, too. I, I would call myself a partial sociopath. Mm. <laughs> I love it. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to pick who's next. Uh,. That's only fair. Go ahead, Jules. Micro-invaders. To think all invaders are large is a mistake and one you will not make again. The invasion started with only a few breaching the line and sneaking in to start wreaking havoc. They then set up fortifications and start replicating the invasion force in the fortifications. This is the thing that has taken hold and will not let go. Then they start terraforming inside the fortifications, and they start pushing out to take over more territory. This is how things have happened. Soon they take over the host and make her feel like she is not going to make it. But she has found help in fighting this force that has set up camp in her system. Now she at least is on the mend. At least she hopes so. (coughs) Monsters, all of you. Huh. <laughs> uh, what? It's all. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Micro humans. Uh. All right, so Jay, take us home. Zoridithium seventy four. The Zoridithium series of androids, or Z-Packs as they are known, have been a constant in the Outer Rim for quite some time. Simply enough, the Z-Packs are the workhorse of the Freyalden expansion, even unsung, ever unrecognized, but always present. Last time you needed to get the ship taken care of in port, there was one somewhat lonely and slightly tarnished Z-Pack that just walked up and started working on the ship. If it wasn't going to ask for payment up front, at least you got some free labor out of this, right? On the way out of port, the authority's not quite hot on your heels, but uh, let's just say that the reciprocating food re-energizer had been set to kablau. You discovered that the sensors had been modified. The Z-Pack, the one you now call Z-74, just 70, had installed some extras, and it wanted to come along into the great beyond. Z-74 was from the previous edition of Androids, and when you aren't shiny and new anymore, it's pretty easy to get replaced. What few people had realized on the station was that Z-74 didn't have an owner anymore. Pulmonary embolism, you see. 
His owner had unexpectedly passed away, and with no heirs, Z-74 had cleaned up the office and gone right on doing stevedore work and the occasional repair. That time, though, was coming to an end. The taxes were intuitive rather than logical on the station, and Z-74 had missed the appropriate payment dates. A new crew member who didn't take much oxygen to stay alive took no food from the stores and was handy with the repairs? It's hard to say no, right? Z-74 is going to be helpful, and then you'll find it can often repair the ship before you realize it's been damaged. But something is nagging at you. Why did Z-74 start acting this way? It could be a simple malfunction across of the wires, but it might be something more. Maybe it's time you paid Z-74 back and looked a little more deeply into the unspoken truths about the Freyalden expansion Ooh, and what really goes into wicked. the Z-Pass. That's cool. Wicked. I like it. Well, I wanted to do sci-fi for this episode, and I also was trying to not be hey, quite I've as dark. I've been actually working hard on not doing dark. that. What? Stat block, so... I'm... I don't even try. No, come on. You know, at least, at least <laughs> the last couple of my catalog items were... Exactly, which is why I have to. <laughs> I'm try- Let's just put it this way. If they I are. let the darkness completely take over, then there's nowhere else for it to invade. You have to have some light in there now, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> but Gardemanger, A delightful. <laughs> As always, and I will be stealing that. Mwah, so delightful. Thank you. All right. Let's get some more learning into us. Lexicon, where we give you cool words to help improve your vocabulary. So, what are we learning today, Professor? It's super easy, honestly. Well, to me, it is. Uh, Baleen? The strainy things? Yeah, Baleen. Yeah. Well, like the whale? Actually, strainy. it's not, not strainy. really strainy. strainy. Yes. Strainy. Yes. Um, the the ever fun definition is it is a horny. <laughs> I love that they use that word. Uh, keratinous substance found in two rows of transverse plates which hang down from the upper jaws of baleen whales. It is a Middle English different spelling for baleen, and it comes from Latin as all good words and do. Greek. As all good words do. Yeah, they just keep going back. And its first known use is the 14th century, and it is in the bottom 30% of words. Mm-hmm. Which means it probably was Wouldn't so named when the English were roasting one. Yeah. Uh, still, it's a it's a cool word, and when if you've actually ever seen it, you know, you know, it's actually like kind of cool looking. You're like, ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it is it's, a it's, really it's a neat part of the whale body. You're like, oh my gosh, see. how did evolution come up with that? It's like, it's weird. Evolution is like a mad drunk scientist. Yeah. You know, sometimes (laughs) you can't be drunk all the time. I mean, the platypus, perfect example. 
Pink milk yeah, is weird. I'll give you that. I'm just gonna say. Dude. <laughs> no, anything in the Morphocopagus family. Anteaters? That's weird. <laughs> yeah, that, that is weird too. All right, but last is I think we're going so. into shout outs and all things that are awesome, right? Uh, yes. Garmaz, yes, you start because you, you started. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go ahead and recommend that you take a look at Doctor Who, Volume 2, Season 11. Uh, by this point, Jodie Whittaker has just about finished her first season as the new Doctor Who to, frankly, some of the highest numbers in a decade of watching it. And there are some rough spots in the writing of the new season, but it really is a good reintroduction to the different kind of forms a Doctor Who story can take and kind of examples of how science fiction and science fantasy Ooh, can both be neat. worked into That's cool. a Doctor Who story. That is actually really, really cool. So I, I, I can say this. And most people don't like when I say this, but I've never been uh, a Doctor Who fan. Hey, hey, no, no, no. Just I know, I know you that's are not allowed to have had mistakes in your life. <laughs> but that's just me. I mean, I I understand that there are tons of people that that love it, and I have I never really even got it early. I never got into it later. Because I don't generally watch much in the way of actually on air TV. So that's part of the reason why nowadays I'm not really that interested in watching TV stuff. Instead, I'd rather play video games. Which is what... <laughs> well, I have been playing... And what video um, game do you have for us today? I, I, I finally dove back in to playing Elder Scrolls Online. I kind of talked about it at the beginning. Uh, my wife and I are both playing, and it has been a blast of late. And um, if you are wanting to play with me on uh, the PlayStation Network, if you have a PS4, um, I am on the North American PS4 servers, and you just need to look up Zen Dead. Run away, run away from Zen Dead. Run far away. <laughs> run away, run away from Zen Dead. I'm not good, but I, I like playing. I finally got my character Yay! to over 50th level, <laughs> which now puts me in like the champion levels, and there's like 810 of those, and I'm at like something like 12. Or 20 so I've made some some progress so it's been a lot of fun though oh good I'm I kind of fell out of video games quite some time ago around uh, doom to be quite honest is the last time I, I actually made serious headway into video games <laughs> with a uh, few small detours since yeah, then. Yeah, uh, I'm getting ready to start probably. You have to tell us how that is and how the controls are. I, I've seen a lot of gameplay footage and it looks slick. I, 
I will. I've played a lot of them, a lot of the other versions of Spider-Man. So I'm I'm kind of interested to to dive back into that one. So, but what do you got for us? All right. This and going evening? with the science fiction themed and realizing, uh, I forgot. There, there is probably one of the most weirdest post-apocalyptic things you have ever read. Weapon Brown. Your Saturday morning comments have been weaponized. Join friendless Chuck Brown and his faithful mutt snoops in surviving the syndicate in the post-apocalypse. Watch out for the syndicate's ultimate weapon, an assassin with no self-control and a stuffed tiger. Pretty much every Saturday morning comic character... From Beetle hmm. Bailey to character from uh, Huey from the Boondocks to oh god, you wouldn't believe it. And pretty much hard boil them and post apocalypse mad Mad Max the shit out of them. It is ultra violent, ultra messed up, and I love it. It start, it's was a was one of the earlier web comics, so you can still get it on there, but the omnibus came out on Amazon, so the art style, I mean nice. it, it starts out and you've got the Is that the one of he's him punching the ground and he's got like a nuclear symbol on his arm and it has like the Charlie Brown uh yellow with the squiggle on it? Well, he's no. There's there's one that I there was a, a piece of art that I saw that was uh, him just kind of standing there, you know. Um, it's kind of like a three quarters back shot, and he's wearing like I think it's a hoodie, but it's got the the yellow with, and it's like a beat up, dirty yellow. With I don't know. Squiggle. That might be. That might not be it, but. Uh... But he's all like buff as yeah, hell. Yeah, this and- is this now the the, <laughs> I mean this he's buff as shit and he's still bald, but he's got like one cybernetic arm. Yeah, I think it might be this. Yeah, it okay. might be the same. But uh, I I will be honest, guys, that it is not safe for kids. I am not kidding. This is I I don't even know if I'm mature enough to read half of this shit, but. I, I, I love the webcomic and I don't know why. And I just noticed it's like, it came out a couple years ago, the omnibus in paperback. And I had no idea. I was like, Oh my God, how'd I miss this? It's great. But the, the art style, I mean, this is, it's, it has like a a lot of like, it's black and white, which is, I I love that. I, it adds a lot more just kind of grittiness to it. But uh, the the artist is phenomenal, and it's really cool. Like when you look at some of how he's adapted all of these characters, you know that it, the story is great and it's creepy as shit. But you know, and you're like, oh my gosh! But you look at them and you're like, I know who that is. Oh, and uh, FYI, uh, uh, Snoop now has a taste for human flesh. So yeah. You do watch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So there's going to be something that I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to drop this as a last. You wait to the very end, of course. So I do. I have been uh, sitting down and actually recording an actual play. 
of us sitting around a table playing. I have the pitch session and the first four episodes recorded already. It will go live in January. So I'm giving you guys a little tease, but it's going to fall opposite weeks of when we do the regular show. So in those off weeks, you're now going to get back to having something on what would have been an off week. And it's going to be an AP. And I'm not going to spoil anything about it other than to say we even did a pitch session for characters and the campaign that we're playing. So you get to see it all as I would run a game aside from the like, these are the books that you're allowed to use and some of the back end stuff. But I've also talked with all of the players and they've all agreed at some point, maybe as part of a Patreon exclusive, we're going to sit down with all of them individually and talk about like some of the choices that they made for their characters, why they wanted to do the certain things that they did and get each one of them to sit down and have a conversation about it. But it's going to be very long form running. Um, I, I've estimated with what we've done so far, if I'm right, it's probably going to be over uh, 300 boy. hours. Not all, no, not all at once, and not dropping in in chunks that size. He's just anticipating three hundred hours worth yeah. of content to be and released be in every other week chunks. until we hit that mark. So, I've already done it, where I've broken out. Like I said, I've got the first uh, four episodes of the actual sitting around the table playing. We've got the first four done. Or five, five, with the first five done, and a pitch session. So we actually have content already recorded to push out into February. Nice. And we're still Until going. Until you TPK, dude. And we play every week. So don't, don't, don't TPK. Maybe don't TPK because we'll then see. everyone's going to have to make new characters, and you know that the listeners are going to get invested in the story. <laughs> Well, that's the hope. Also, there will be um, when we do release those, those will have uh, contacts for all of the players, like Twitter accounts, um, if they use Instagram or whatnot. So and we may end up moving our location uh, because the guy who's actually hosting the game also runs my local Sh- uh, one of the, local, shout comic out to the local comic shop. So if you're ever in the area, and go and visit. Uh, Nirvana Comics in Knoxville. So, yeah, he will be. He's he is uh, playing one of the characters, and yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. But yeah, I just wanted to drop that in because it's coming. the The pitch session will actually drop the week before the first of the year. So it'll be the first episode. It'll be like one of the last episodes of this year before the new actual play Fantastic. starts in the first of the year. 
So mm-hmm. to look forward to mm-hmm. and let us know what you think about that. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. And stuff. Yeah. Cause it, All right, we were, say we've managed to run a little bit long talking about sci-fi and getting through some of these fun things, culminating in the announcement of the imminent actual play that Zen is running. So in the meantime, find us on the social medias, drop us a line. If you've got a few bucks, we'll be glad to take it over at Patreon and create some Patreon-exclusive Have content for you. Have fun, everybody. And in you the meantime, like we always say, <laughs> get out there and roll some dice. <laughs> You can contact us or the show using Twitter, Facebook, or plain old email. Our Twitter accounts are at Zendead, at Jules Podcaster, and at 2050GardeMoget. And the show's Twitter account is at SeizeTheGM. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash SeizeTheGM. Or chat with us and other RPG lovers in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Seize the GM. You can email questions or comments to the show at admin at seizethegm.com. And if you have a few bills you want to send us, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. And we thank you. joining us for this episode of Seize the GM. Feel free to leave a comment about this episode on our webpage, www.seizethegm.com. Let the dice fall where they may, and we'll see you all again next week. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted materials referenced herein are held by their respective owners. No infringement intended, and no claim of ownership is implied. The music for the show is Dreaming Spirit off the album Ghost Machine by the Enigma TNG. His music is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license.